One of my favorite things to do when I'm camping in the Adirondacks is to set an alarm for 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning to see the stars. On a cloudless night when that alarm wakes me, I climb out of my sleeping bag, put my shoes on, and unzip the tent door. With headlamp in place, I find my kayak resting at the shore, put it in the water, and shove off onto the black mirror of the lake. Everything is perfectly still and dark. As I float a few hundred feet from the shore, I turn off my headlamp, set my paddle aside, and look up in awe. There above me shines the cosmos. Stars by the billions send their faint light to my eyes. Familiar constellations speak their ancient names. Orion, Ursa Major, Capricorn, the Pleiades. Modeled in the sky, our own galaxy, the Milky Way, reveals itself a cloud of suns. As I look at them, I know light comes still from some long-dead stars, and the light of new stars has not yet reached the earth. Floating on the black mirror of the lake, there are stars above and stars below. In moments like that, I feel small and enormous all at once. I am just one creature among many, a small, short life in a particular time and place. And I belong to Earth's only animal that knows that the stars are there. Human, I can see the cosmos, suspended between water and air. I feel one with all. Amy Paw writes in the Christian Century saying, the current scientific consensus is that we live in an expanding universe, a galaxy-filled space that began some 13.8 billion years ago with the Big Bang. Our own galaxy, the Milky Way, is an enormous system of stars of which our sun is a single, rather insignificant member. We earthlings inhabit the third planet from the sun in our tiny solar system. Biological Earth began approximately 3.5 billion years ago, roughly, roughly 10 billion years after the Big Bang. The hominid ancestor we have in common with the chimpanzees did not emerge until only about 6 or 7 million years ago. And anatomically modern humans emerged in Africa roughly 200,000 years ago. Human beings take their place alongside millions of other species as latecomers to life on Earth. So what are we doing here, you and me? We live on a planet billions of years in the making, a planet that will go on in one form or another long past our separate lives. We inhabit a paradox that acknowledges that we are alive now, and we know we will die one day. Of all Earth's creatures, we are the only ones 
who know both the beginning of our lives and that they will end. And for this reason, humans need to make sense of their lives. They need to sort out the paradox of existence and impermanence, and so we do what we have always done. We form religion around the human need to know our place in the cosmos. We create stories and rituals to make sense of it all. We even try to outdo one another, claiming our world view of the world is the only right one. Humans are hardwired for religion, and you and I are no exception. We, too, feel the six million years of human evolution that taught us to look up at the stars. The oddest thing about the religions, though, is that they usually do not take a cosmic view of the world. Religions usually concern themselves with a few thousand years of human history at best. They usually live, limit God to that same brief span as well. To this day, religions center the human experience on a planet metaphorically at the center of the universe. Only the human drama on planet Earth matters very much to them. Religions act as if Copernicus had never lived. And in this short-sighted view of history, this is what gets them in trouble. Jews forget about the ancient religions from which they emerged, the worshipers of Baal and Isis. Christians forget the Roman pagan practices that they subsumed. Muslims forget how Abraham, Moses, and Jesus led religious movements preceding the prophet Muhammad. Buddhists and Hindus forget Confucius. Catholics forget the Druids. And even we Unitarian Universalists get a little bit of amnesia about our own Christian roots. So interested in responding to what is right in front of them, religions forget not only the religious traditions that they came from, but also a time when the world was humanless. Religions agree that God created the universe and then do not give God any credit for about 99% of evolution's work. If God really was waiting for humanity to emerge, then she waited an awful long time. <laughs> the challenge for religious people like you and me is how to live gently on our earthly home and how to think on its behalf. As latecomers to this planet, we humans are also pretty hard on it. We war with one another. We kill off other species. We pollute the land and the air and the water. We destroy the very home on which we live. And we also demonstrate so very much goodness in spite of the cruelty. You and I are no strangers to love, we know how to create peace. Hope is something that we keep alive. Joy and beauty are no strangers to us. I am fully convinced that the goodness of this world vastly outshines its cruelty. I'm convinced that ordinary human beings like you and me keep all that is good and precious and life-giving alive through our ordinary actions. We are not powerless, 
We are not insignificant. We have choices. We can change hearts and minds. And this is a cosmic view of religion. When we stop worrying about the particularities of our own faith, whether it is good enough or right enough, then we can actually use our faith for the good of all. When we stop comparing ourselves to others, wondering if God is real or not, then we can actually live as if love matters. The insignificance of earth in the cosmos should not make us give up. It should make us fight harder for this lonely planet. Reverend Forrest Church, late of All Souls Church Unitarian in New York City, gives us the image of a cathedral where each religion is a different stained-glass window, but all are illuminated by the same sunlight. The windows look different, to be sure, but they all receive the same light. His point, of course, is not to give up our individuality, but to realize we all come from the same source. And this is where our own universalism comes in. We know the particularities of this UU faith of ours, that, and these beliefs and practices do not blind us to the good in other faiths. As universalists, we believe that no one, and we mean no one, will be damned to hell. We believe all will be saved, and we look for the common good among the religions— This universalism of ours extends well beyond humankind. It sees us as siblings to the animals and the plants, the fish and the birds. Universalism requires us to see the universe as our home, the whole universe, not just some tiny bit of it. We universalists can stand under a star-filled sky, admiring distant galaxies, while we also see the homeless person sleeping in a doorway on a cold night. We are capable of so much, you and me, and because we are capable of so much, we must do what we can. We humans are latecomers to planet Earth, and of its creatures we are the most capable of destroying and rebuilding. I'm always impressed by the tenacity of other species, how they live not for the individual fish or animal or insect, but for the continuation of their kind. In a cycle of birth, growth, mating, raising young and dying, the other creatures of the world see their continuation in cosmic terms. Each species wants to make sure some of its members survive to pass on their genes. Each considers it a success if another generation replaces the one before it. With almost no consideration for the individual, creation continues to create itself, cycle after cycle. Only humans can see the ways in which our actions help or harm the earth. Only humans can make the choices needed to avoid extinction. Because of this, we are both the most dangerous of the creatures and the most needed. For if humans can decide to do things differently, the cycle for so many others can continue uninterrupted. 
But if we do not do things differently, all other creatures will suffer with us. Climate change is real. What we do will affect generations to come. No small act is not worth it. No big idea is too bold. We must change, you and me, for if we do not, the planet we live on will continue, but it will be irredeemably marred. And then all the religions in the world will not matter. Usually about 20 minutes on the darkened lake in my kayak is enough. I have seen the stars. I have checked in with the Milky Way. Off in the distance, a loon call draws my mind back to terra firma. It is still night. I am still sleepy. As I gently paddle back to the shore, I'm convinced of two amazing things. I am lucky to be alive. And I must not live just for myself. Lucky to be alive, to see and taste and hear and smell, to know love and joy and pain and loss, to live an examined life, to learn and grow and change, and to not live just for myself. To realize my life has a purpose. It is not some some random chance occurrence in an uncaring universe. To know again that I am required to care about other people. I'm required to live more gently on this planet. I'm required to ease suffering and spread hope. I am required to squander love on a hurting world. As I crawl back into the still warm sleeping bag, a sense of peace and satisfaction washes over me. I am the tiniest creature in the world this night, the most insignificant and the most powerful. The stars out there are where they have been for billions of years, and they are also inside me, in my body and in my mind and in my soul. The particularities of my life do not matter so much in the grand cosmic scheme of things. And as I drift off to sleep again, I am reassured in some strange way that the universe does, in fact, know my name. So be it. Amen.